Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 21. Hallelujah. What if I just did the whole sermon like that? Would you guys enjoy it? Okay. I might. It's my birthday. I'll preach how I want to. It's my birthday and I'll preach how I want to. All right. Verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 5 in the ESV. We're going to read a few verses. Look carefully then how you walk. Paul instructs the church of Ephesus. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all of your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for that time of worship. Thank you for this church. Thank you for those watching online. Thank you for every saint, every son and daughter of the Most High. I pray that today we would be encouraged by the word of the Lord, that something would just uh, happen on the inside of us, a fresh fire. We open our hearts and we pray that you give us hearing ears. Lord, I pray that by the power of your spirit, through the truth of your word, that it would come forth with boldness and clarity and that every heart would be encouraged, every life would be transformed. If you agree with that, just shout out, Amen. Amen. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So my wife and I um, and my family, you know, took a trip. I would call it a vacation, but how many know a vacation is not a vacation. A vacation is when my wife and I go to Cancun. Amen. Hey, don't be, don't be envying. Don't be jealous. A trip is when all the kids are there because it's different. It's not the same. I love my kids. It's not really a vacation. And we did a lot of ministry. I could tell you some powerful stories, but so we took a trip over there, had a good time. Las Vegas is dry and it's hot and they had record temperatures this summer. Death Valley, which is not too far, was one of the hottest places on the planet. They had record temperatures, I think, in the 130s. No. No, 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 no. Yeah. Can somebody say heck no, but think of the other word. Because <laughs> that's what it's pretty much like. H-E double hockey sticks. So uh, it was hot as heck and dry and our noses were dry and my wife the first night that uh, she ministered on Friday night she said she felt like Spongebob when he ran out of <clears throat> out of water the I don't, who, who still watches cartoons and plays with toys and has toys in their office um, who still I like Spongebob it's actually very entertaining praise God I think Spongebob we could get a clip of Spongebob and play it at least once a month for a sermon amen I'm just kidding <laughs> So we, we were in the hot desert. And what do you do in, in the heat? What do you do in the heat out here, Rochesterians? You go swimming, right? Or you go inside with air conditioning. Thank God for air conditioning. 
But even in Vegas in the air conditioning, you're still sweating and hot. It's just how it works, man. And ACs break over there, air conditioning, ugh. So we're at this, the pool, this place we're staying, and it was great, and we're hanging out, and everything's wonderful. Now, um, and then something not so wonderful happened, and we're out at the pool, and um, in Las Vegas, it might be common here in some places, but most of the pools in Vegas are in-ground pools, and and, and they have, instead of just like concrete, uh, they have what's called cool deck. It's like a spray that goes over the concrete. And it does a couple things. It gives uh, a little bit of a grip. Because how many know when you're, when you're, you know when you're little and you're running around, you get yelled at for running around the pool, that happens. So the, the cool decking helps people not slip and fall. The other thing it does is it keeps it cooler. Well, in Las Vegas, the concrete gets really hot. You could fry an egg on the asphalt, no joke. And, uh, and so we're at the pool, and it's really hot. And so when you go from the shade to the water, it's like walking on hot coals, and which apparently Josiah has done. And I'm really proud of you, Josiah, for doing that. I take back all those childish comments that I mentioned about toys. Who's ever walked on hot coals before? I haven't. Uh, Josiah apparently has, but that's pretty much what it felt like. So we're swimming, having a good time. I walk over to the shade, walk back to the pool. My feet are on fire. So I start walking a little faster and I come right up and I'm so excited to put my feet in the cool water, which really it's not cool water. It's more like 90 degrees because in Vegas it's 110 and it heats the water up. So the water's not even refreshing. That's just how it is. And, and so as soon as I run up, uh, the, the top of the right where you step in the pool is super slippery. I slip and I fall right on me bum. And it hurt pretty bad. And there was a little child right there. I'm so glad I didn't like kick him in the face. But he, I literally slipped right in front of him, splashed him. He tiny little nephew, like a year old. And he was so scared. And everyone's like, oh, poor baby. They pick up the, the little boy and they're like patting him. And I'm down there like, eh. I've fallen and I can't get up, man. I'm like, I'm jacked. It reminded me of, you know, when, when I fall when I'm a kid, I, get, I, get, I heal up really fast. When you get older, it takes a little bit longer to heal. So I ended up really hurting myself. And I thought about this verse. And I thought, you know what? That is a good word to learn to walk carefully and circumspectly before God. And it was an unfortunate thing that happened. But how many know that God can take what the enemy meant for a curse and turn it to a sermon illustration? Amen. <laughs> New King James Version says to walk circumspectly. The word circumspect is not a common word, but what it means is to carefully consider all circumstances and possible consequences. You bet after that incident, I walked a lot more carefully. And I want to talk about three things that I see in this chapter that will encourage us with our walk. Are y'all ready? Number one, careful does not mean fearful. Come on. Say it with me. Careful, careful does not mean fearful. Amen. You can leave that up. But I want to I talk about this because I think sometimes we feel like we're very wise people, but sometimes our wisdom is really, it's a mask with fear underneath. 
Like there are times that fear will masquerade as wisdom. It can do it. It can happen in practical things. You know, now you have like a virus that's spreading everywhere. And uh, how many have already had COVID and uh, hated it? Yeah, I had it a couple months ago. But even before the pandemic, uh, I, I was, I'll just be honest. You know, some people have addictions. I was addicted to hand sanitizer before the pandemic. Um, if I was walking somewhere and I saw hand sanitizer on the wall, I would just do it. And, and I still do. But how many know there are some people that are literally afraid of germs to where they barely even leave their house? That's not wisdom. It's wisdom to wash your hands. Now, there's the other side of the spectrum where it's like, well, I don't need to wash my hands because I'm covered in the blood. Well, that's just silly. Like, how many know we need to use wisdom? And it's a good thing to wash our hands. Amen? Yeah. And so... There's something about learning that we can overcorrect and we can call it wisdom, but sometimes we're gripped by a spirit of fear. And I want to first talk about this when Paul is encouraging the church, watch, walk carefully, be wise, not unwise. Redeem the time because of the days that we live in are evil. I think that it's such a right now word, but sometimes fear can masquerade as wisdom. And it's okay to play it safe, but don't play it safe with our faith. Can you say amen? Amen. See, we as the people of God right now should be the most faith-filled people. And that doesn't mean that we're not wise, but it definitely means that we are not operating under a spirit of fear. Now, I want to say this because sometimes we have this thing where we, we have this dualistic way of thinking to where it's like, well, I'm either blessed or I'm going through a valley. But how many know you can go through a valley and walk in blessing at the same time? Like, do you know that God is actually near to the brokenhearted? Well, I'm really just, my heart is broken right now. And, you know, so I'm just praying for, I'm just praying for breakthrough that I can receive joy. That's wonderful. But be present in the moment because God is closer than you can comprehend in the times that you're broken. And sometimes we have this idea that, well, if I'm fearful, then I'm not walking in faith. Now, I do believe that. Faith is an opposite of fear, but just because fear is present doesn't mean that faith is not preeminent. You can be fearful, but just make sure faith is preeminent. In other words, it's you radically trusting in who God is and what he said, and faith is preeminent. Jesus is first place, and it orders our thoughts and the way we think and the way we live and the orientation of our heart. We should be a people that are full of faith. Fear might be present, but faith should be preeminent. See, there's something the Bible talks about, a spirit of fear. I've seen a spirit of fear grip all sorts of people. Uh, There's times in my life where on the mission field, one time the spirit of fear gripped me. And, and I remember going to the bathroom and like trying to pray. And I'm like, what is going on, man? I just, the spirit of fear. I remember when I had coronavirus, spirit of fear tried to grip me. It's a demonic spirit that's attached to the python spirit is what is behind the coronavirus. A python spirit will come and get close to its victims to try to steal their breath. You know, the word python in the Greek is where Paul in the book of Acts, rebuked the woman possessed with the spirit of divination. It's the python spirit. And she was speaking something and it annoyed Paul because she was saying something that seemed right, but it wasn't from heaven. It was the imitation of the divine. That's what divination is. 
And a spirit of fear can come in and try to creep in and even masquerade as wisdom, but it's something that we should not tolerate as the people of God. Can you say amen? How many know what you tolerate will eventually dominate? And there's something to be said about that spirit of fear when it tries to grip us. We have to remember that's not what spirit we're of. We all know the verse where Paul's encouraging his son, Timothy. I love the letters of Timothy to the apostle Timothy. They're called the pastoral epistles, but really they're apostolic epistles because Timothy was an apostle. He wasn't just a pastor. He's noted as one of the apostles in the New Testament. Other than the 12, there are another 12 plus that are listed in the New Testament by name and others implied. And one was a woman. Come on, somebody. Well, I don't believe in women pastors. Well, then do you believe in women apostles? Because that's in the Bible. Now, Timothy's being encouraged by his spiritual father. And he says, I want you to stir the gift up within you. Sometimes you got to stir up faith inside of you. When fear, when it feels like, like your flame of faith is flickering, that's the spirit of fear trying to quench and stifle what God has put inside of you. The gift of faith that he's given you. And he's telling him, stir that, stir that fire up. You remember the gift when I laid hands on you, Timothy? And this is found in 2 Timothy chapter 1. But I want to read verse 7 to you. It says, for God has not, say has not, has not. given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is not your portion. If we allow fear to dictate what we do and it's preeminent in our lives, we have to remember that's not what spirit we're of. In one uh, manuscript, the word fear is the same word bondage that's mentioned in Romans chapter 8, where the Bible talks about that we uh, have not been, uh, we're not, you know, slaves to fear. We're not bound, but we're sons and daughters of the living God. We've been given the spirit of adoption, not the spirit of bondage. So it's interesting to me that sometimes it's translated fear, sometimes it's translated bondage, because fear and bondage are like cousins. Because when you allow fear to come in, you're opening the door for bondage and oppression. Here's what, here's what Paul says to Timothy, though. You all know the verse. God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? But of, say it with me, power, of love, and of a sound mind. How many know if fear dictates in your mind what you think and what you, it, your, your mind can just race and start thinking all kinds of crazy stuff? Like, I could have fallen on that on that uh, slippery poolside and thought, oh, I broke my tailbone, now I'm not gonna be able to walk and, you know, but sometimes if we're gripped by the spirit of fear, that's what happens. But the Bible says to walk carefully, not fearfully. It goes on in verse 19 in Ephesians 5, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for, God, for Christ. How many know radical, intimate worship gets our eyes off the storm and on to Jesus? If the spirit of fear grips you, just begin to, and the Bible says encourage one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That means God might put a psalm on your heart and you feel like the psalm resonates with you. That's what the psalms are for, honest crying out to God, going through a valley. Maybe God will give you a psalm to give somebody else to encourage them through a valley. And then they can overcome. And even in the midst of a valley, they're blessed and they can be fruitful. Can you say amen? 
Listen, I want to say before we move on to the next one, we live in an Esther moment. How many believe that? The church is in a moment. If you know the book of Esther, it's one of the last historical books of the Old Testament. And do you know that in the book of Esther, God is not mentioned one time? It kind of sounds like the day that we're living in right now. But how many know just because it's not mentioned in the book doesn't mean that God's activity is not in the book. God was looking for people to raise up to bring freedom to the captives. The enemy had a plan to wipe out God's people, but God exposed the plan and gave kingdom authority to the faithful. Even when we don't see him, he's working. See, we live for such a time as this that in, just like in the book of Esther, we are not to bow, we are not to be silent, we're to even boldly approach the king of glory, even if it costs us everything and know that God will raise us up to be a voice in the earth to bring change. So don't be afraid. God is with us for such a time as this. How many know the Bible says, fear not 365 times. That's one for every morning that you wake up. When you wake up tomorrow, remember, he says, fear not. Come on, somebody. And then the next day, remember on Tuesday, he says, fear not. And if you start getting scurred on Wednesday, remember the Lord says, fear not. Every day you wake up, there is a word from heaven to empower you by the Spirit of God to not walk or be gripped by the spirit of fear. We know the story in Esther. The enemy's plans were exposed and God moved on behalf of his people. Isn't it interesting though that God is not mentioned in the book at all, but his activity was surely present. Number two, walk in love. Now, this is, this is something we could like preach a whole message on, what it means to walk in love, walk in forgiveness, walk in love with one another, and, and that's really good. But I want to focus on uh, this understanding of being childlike. So after I slipped and I hurt myself, I'm thinking like, man, this is going to hurt for quite a while. And I wasn't very happy. But my father-in-law, who's a wonderful man, decided to, you know, bust my chops a little because that's what you do, right? And, and, uh, and he says, oh, hey, look at the sign, Zach. It says, children, no running. <laughs> I'm like, thanks a lot, bro. What are you trying to say? I look three years old, Josiah. Is that what you're trying to say? So I thought about that, and I'm like, you know what? It's interesting because had I remained childlike and walked more carefully, I would not have slipped. See, sometimes as we mature as adults, we're not as careful as we used to be. Hello? Until we realize we're a little bit older and it takes us long to heal, then we walk even care- more careful. Like right now, the next 10 times I'm at the pool, I'm going to be walking like this. I'm probably going to wear grip shoes. That's what I'm going to do. Those water shoes that grip. <laughs> Don't make fun of me because my bum hurts, y'all. It hurts. And it's healing up. Thank God. I mean, I'm really careful just sitting down right now. But it was funny because he said, oh, look, the sign says children, no running. And I thought about the scripture just before what we just read in Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, check this, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Do you know what walking in love is? It's being childlike before God. Keeping your heart postured in a place where we're thankful for his love for us, that he gave his life for us. And we imitate him who is a forgiving, loving father. 
And if we imitate him and we know we're his beloved sons and daughters and we walk in love towards one another. I thought about one of my favorite Psalms. Uh, one of these days I, I could get a little more in depth, but I just want to go through Psalm 73 and read a few verses. The psalmist Asaph is being really honest with his heart. He's been being really honest with how he feels. And the, the, the whole psalm is about his journey with God uh, and the whole journey of getting his heart set right where it needs to be. And sometimes it's the same thing with us. It's we need to learn to walk in love. We need to learn to remain childlike. Now look what he says in Psalm 73, 1 in the New King James. Truly God is good to Israel. How many know God is good and faithful to us? We are his people. Can you say amen? amen. He is so faithful. We have to feast on his faithfulness. And then he says, to such as are pure in heart. But then he says, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So he's saying God is good to those who are in pure heart, but my heart was pointed in the wrong direction. I looked at the world and I said, why are they living the way they want to? And it seems like they're living the blessed life. He goes on and he begins to vent. How many have ever vented before? How many vented on Facebook this week? The Lord bless you. How many know that sometimes it's good, though, to come to God as his kid and just let it out? God, why is this happening? And the psalmist is being honest and he's saying, I look at this, I'm looking at the world and they're lying and they're living the way they want. And it seems like they have more freedom than me. They're more blessed than I am. I'm serving in your house. Asaph was one of the chief musicians. His heart was devoted to the service of heaven. And he's like, later on in the psalm, surely I've cleansed my heart in vain. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life I felt that way. Like, you know, I was an entrepreneur making money and then it was like, go plant a church. God, I don't want to plant a church. I want to keep making money. God's like, go plant a church. I'm your portion now. Surely have I cleansed my heart in vain? I'm trying to walk in integrity and I know people that aren't and they're blessed. And in fact, they seem a little more blessed than I am. And the psalmist goes on, he says, have I cleansed my heart in vain? And he's just perplexed by all of this. And he says, when I thought to how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went to the sanctuary of God. There's something about coming into the presence of the Lord where your, where your heart comes back to him in a simple, pure, childlike faith. And we begin to walk in a healthy way. We're walking in love. He goes on, and I want to just read a few, couple more verses here on this point about walking and remaining childlike. He says in verse 21, Then I realized my heart was bitter, and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Man, I just see a picture of even while I'm running, my heart envies the, 
the prosperity of the wicked, and I begin to orient my heart in the right direction. And even when it was that way, God's like, I'm still with you. And it's almost like a picture of a father. I remember this little guy that I, poor little guy, scared so bad when I slipped and fell. At one point we were hanging out. He's real shy and timid. When I first saw him, I'm like, hey, buddy. And he like tried to hide. Like he thought I was Irish Santa Claus or something. I don't know. And uh, probably scared him. You know, sometimes kids are scared of Santa Claus. But there was one point I'm like, hey, let's go walk somewhere. And I grabbed his hand. And I love the way little children will just grip your hand. And they don't let go, especially when you're leading them and walking them. And it's the same concept where the psalmist is like, you held me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me into a glorious destiny. Look what he says. Whom have I in heaven but you? There's none on earth that I desire besides you. He realized there's nothing like your love and your presence. And I'm going to posture my heart to you like a child. He says, even though, this is an encouraging word for you, my health might fail and my spirit might grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. And in the New King James Version, he is my portion forever. I love this, man. Walking in love is keeping our heart postured as his beloved children. And with every step, keeping his sweet, leading presence in mind. When he rests on us, when we're aware of his love and his presence, it's like every step we have him in mind and we're just being led by the love of God. Can he say amen? amen? Number three, the last one here is to be washed in the word. Say to be washed in the word. You know, sometimes we, our minds can get contaminated with things, um, you know, depending on the type of person we are, like sometimes we can get consumed in social media. We can get consumed on Twitter. We can get consumed watching Fox and CNN and all of the news sources. We can get consumed by uh, reading certain things. How many know what I'm talking about? We can even get consumed by only listening to one stream in our Christian faith. And then we think our stream is the river and that's not the truth. No, streams are streams and the broad river of the body of Christ is a whole nother thing. There's so many streams and sometimes we do the same thing. We can get contaminated and we need to be washed by the water of the word. And Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter five. He says in verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her husbands. Is that convicting? Just a little bit. Just a little. Raise your hand if it is. If it's not, you didn't read it. He says, as Christ gave himself up for her. Verse 26, that he might sanctify her. Say, sanctify her. Having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. So that he might present the church. Now he introduces this concept of the church. To himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. You know, Paul's encouraging marriages and he's talking about the oneness in a marriage and he's definitely talking about husbands loving their wives and, and anytime I read this, there's always room where I as a husband can do better to love and honor my wife with my words and my actions. How many know that a wife 
or a bride that is honored by her husband glows. Especially if she believes the words that are coming out of his mouth because he shows it with his loving kindness. There's something about a woman that is married that knows she is loved by her husband. The same thing to be said where Paul says, I'm not just talking about marriage, hear me, but I'm talking about the church. If we understand how Jesus loves us and we hear his word and we allow the word to wash over us, we begin to beam with glory and with joy and with brilliance, come on, and with light and with heaven's love. See, as a husband, I do get convicted, and I'm glad my wife just stepped back in. Because as a husband, we have to choose, as a man, I have to choose the same choice I make to love my kids. I have to choose to lay my life down for my wife. And how many know, you know, the scripture talks about, you know, wives submit to your husbands. It's easy to submit, and it's not a subservient submission. It's a submission like I'm coming alongside you, and I'm going to cheer you on, and I'm going to honor you. And I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm okay if you're my head. You're, you're my husband. Like, you're to protect me and help cultivate me. And, and, but how many know it's easy to get along, come alongside somebody that lays their life down for you? Think about the love in a marriage and then think about the church that Jesus has laid his life down and poured out his extravagant love onto humanity. And now we as the bride respond and we're like, ah, we're all yours, Jesus, and we're all in. But some of us need to be washed by the water of the word so we can walk with him the way we were designed to. I'm convicted every time I read this, but I'm also convicted that as a part of the church, a part of the body of Christ that I don't think we know how much our husband loves us. I don't think we realize that he's ravished over us. And when we know and we hear his words, we're washed, we're cleansed. And all it takes is one word. How many know it just takes one encounter that will change your life forever? You know, I was thinking about this in Matthew 14 where Jesus sends his disciples out on the water, and he's like, I'm going to go up to the mountaintop to pray. And in this area, there's a mountaintop, there's a valley, and it creates like a wind tunnel. And sometimes the waves on the sea can get up to like 15 feet high. Jesus is up praying on the mountain, which by the way, he could probably see everything that was going on. Even when the storm was happening and the disciples felt that they were going to lose their life like they did earlier on in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus is asleep. Hello? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's like the proverbial, like, Lord, where are you? And he's like, I'm right here, man. I'm with you. And he manifests his presence and calms the winds and the waves. But he saw everything that was going on, even when they felt like he wasn't there. So Jesus decided to come down the mountain, but not just wave at him from the shore, but walk out on the water. You remember the story? And then he walks up and they're like freaking out. Oh, it's a ghost. It's Jesus. And uh, Peter's like, Jesus says, it's me. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Peter's like, if it's really you, Lord, then tell me to come. And Jesus says one word to get Peter out of his box, out of his boat to walk on the water. All he said was come. All you need is one word from God to get you out of the box of fear. Come on. Listen, here's the thing, though. We, we have this whole concept of like a word. Like how many love getting words from the Lord? How many love reading the Bible and feeling like, oh, that's a word from heaven for me right now? Are you all with me? 
I love prophetic words. The other day I was praying for somebody and, and uh, like in, in the prophetic culture in the church, it's like you want to record the words. When I was first saved, I remember I got a prophetic word and I memorized it. I wrote it down. But this particular church, they recorded them and they gave you a little tape cassette and they marked the time on there where you knew exactly. I remember, who knows what a tape cassette is? There's actually hands not going up or are you just that lazy? <laughs> they gave me a prophetic word that I got on a little tape cassette. Nowadays, thank God for technology, you just pull your iPhone out and just record it. The other day I'm praying for this young man and he's crying and getting, and I had a word and I started prophesying. He's trying to pull his phone out and he just gave up. He's just he's like, I'm just going to receive prayer. But how many know like it's important for us to value when God says something in our life. What has he said to you? Sometimes we're looking for another word, but we're not watering the seed of the first word we got. You know, as a father, I have responsibility for the words I speak over my kids. If I'm prophesying over my daughter and she lives with me, not for long, Sarah's moving out, pray for me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good, baby. It's cool. I will cry like that probably, but after you leave. But if I'm prophesying to my daughter and I'm not cultivating and watering the seeds that I've said to her, I'm being irresponsible. The same thing when God says something to our life, We've got to believe it. We've got to receive. All it took is one word. Jesus says, come. That's all it takes is one word. And sometimes we belittle the prophetic or we belittle the words. But I want to just give you a little concept as we close. When Jesus says something, it's not just some inspirational quote to help us get, it through, get through the day or the week. Hello? We are getting a word from the word. Did you hear what I said? Do you know the word, word, is the Greek word logos? You know what it means? Jesus is the word, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. The word, word, logos, is the divine reason, hear me, the creative order, the principle, and the very logic of the cosmos. I want you to think about this. When Jesus says something... It's not just, oh, that was an encouraging, inspirational quote. It's not like reading a quote from some Eastern teacher or Buddha or whatever. We're talking about the words of the Son of God, the words of God himself in the flesh. Come on. The word, listen, we get a word from Jesus. It's a word from the word. It's a word from the one who spoke and framed the world and the cosmos into existence. This is why Paul says, I'm confident of this very thing. Whether I'm in prison, come on, or whether I'm in a Roman palace preaching the gospel to the kings, I am confident that he who began a good work in me will complete it because I know the word has got the logic, the divine reason, the order of the cosmos. So when Jesus says something like, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, it's not just to encourage us, well, we should keep having church. No, Jesus said, come on, Jesus, we're talking about the Alpha and Omega. Come on, we're talking about the one who created everything with his very voice. He said, let there be light and there was light. And that same word manifested in the flesh after Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the power of hell will not prevail against it. Come on. 
One word is all it takes to step out of the boat. One word is all it takes to say yes to heaven. And church, we are in a glorious time. Let us be washed with the power of the word. Let our minds be decontaminated from the lies of the enemy that we should hide in caves and run and just wait for the rapture. I'm telling you, Jesus is not coming back to a fearful church hiding in caves. He's coming back to a glorious bride. He's coming back to a bride that's full of faith and victory. Will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? I say yes. I don't know about you, but I want Him to find faith and faithfulness in my heart. I'm not going to wait until someone tells me to close the doors in the church. I'm going to have church, and I'm going to reach people, and I'm going to preach the gospel. Come on. And I'm going to lay hands on the sick, and I'm going to raise the dead, and I'm going to pray in tongues, and I'm going to cast out devils. Come on, somebody. Hey! The word through whom the whole cosmos was created. The same word in Romans chapter 8. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor COVID, nor flu. Come on somebody. No created thing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Because the Bible says we, the people of God, are more than conquerors. We're more than overcomers. And that's the spirit we're of. Let the word wash you. Remember that you have a word from the word. From the logos. The divine reason, creative order, principle, and the very logic of the cosmos. Well, it doesn't seem logical. Well, then get a word from the word. You got to remember that the Lord is a warrior and so are you. And you let the warrior spirit rise up within us. We're a chosen generation. Come on. Hello, somebody. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. Set apart his own special people. Called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the Bible says we're to proclaim the praises of him who has delivered us from the oppression of darkness. Can you say amen? Ephesians 5.26 That he, Jesus, might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. May we hear the words of Jesus that are not just strengthening and encouraging, but transformative and life-giving. The same word who spoke John chapter 1 says, by him all things were created and through him everything was made. Everything that has been created through him, by him, and for him. Jesus, the eternal God of God, light of light, the manifestation of the heart of the Father, the second person of the Godhead. I believe the words of Jesus, not some twisted eschatology rooted in fear being careful is not being fearful we're to remain childlike but at the same time be bold and know come on somebody know that the word has spoken and if Jesus says I'll build my church and the power of hell will not prevail against it you better believe it well I've heard a lot of prophecies there there's a lot of good prophetic anointings, but there are some pathetic 
things out there too. There's pathetic anointings. Did you know that? And if someone speaks something contrary to Matthew 16, that Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You better believe his word over something else. We belong to Jesus and his Abba. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're to be empowered with the spirit of an overcomer. The Lord is a warrior, it says in Exodus. The Lord is his name. There's something about that warrior spirit. Thinking of a psalm in Psalm 1833. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war in the spirit so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. I prophesy that over your life, that in the spirit, the enemy would be so afraid when you begin to open up your lips because all that comes off your lips is the word. Jesus. Lift your hands with me. Come on, let's, let's just receive that fresh fire. Let's receive together. Come on, a spirit of an overcomer. How many believe that we are truly more than overcomers, more than conquerors? I want to pray that you are infused with courage and strength. That you, if the spirit of fear has gripped you, it has to be broken now. Come on, if anxiety has gripped you, it has to be broken now. Those watching online, if fear has gripped you, it has to be broken now. Come on, we will overcome. The Bible says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And I release right now faith and courage into every heart and every life. I declare warriors rise up. Worshiping warriors rise up. Declare the praises of God. Praise silences the avenger. Even when it feels like or seems like he's not working, he still is. He's there. He's working for such a time as this. When the name of God is not mentioned, the activity of God is evident. And we will mention the name of Jesus. Even if we're forbidden to, we'll never stop saying the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, Shambaraya. Lift your voices right now and just thank God right now. Say, Lord, I just receive. I receive from heaven. I receive encouragement. I receive that warrior spirit. Sometimes we bow to a spirit of passivity and we wonder why we're discouraged and we wonder why we don't feel like praying or we wonder why we don't feel like we have a hunger for the word. We wonder why we don't want to evangelize is because we've chosen a passive way. We've chosen to walk passively. But right now, if you repent, if you turn your heart to heaven, God will ignite you with true fiery passion for him. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I just thank you for the warriors in this house. Would you stand up with me? Come on. Stand up if you're a warrior right now. Lift your hands. I'm going to dismiss you in just a moment. Stand up with me. We thank you, Lord. I bless your people right now. Release refreshing and strength and courage. Those that are discouraged, those that need healing, I just speak life. I declare hope encouragement and strength in the name of Jesus because you are his glorious bride bride of Christ lift your head up put your shoulders back not in arrogance but in confidence and I prophesy to you the Lord gave me a word from my bride and I spoke it over her a week ago I said Rochelle I feel like the father is saying this over you you are bold you are brilliant 
and you are beautiful. And I prophesy the same thing to you and the body of Christ, the bride. Hear me. Say it with me. Say, I am bold. I am brilliant. And I am beautiful. We are the bride of Christ. Say it. We are the bride of Christ. The glorious bride. The victorious bride. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.